What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday episode of the show. Kyle, after perhaps the strangest pre-show we've ever had, welcome. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. Okay. I don't know what this is going to be. It's breaking ready. news for me because I've been on dad duty. We're, it's Monday night, 6.54, sitting down at the computer. I've been cooking dinner, doing all that stuff. You're going to tell and me Sheldon Rankin signed with the Jets? That's going to be your no, wee woo. That's how far behind you are? Chris, oh. I'm going to tell you that Adoree Jackson got three years, $39 million from the Giants. I got a race. He got a race. Are we allowed to compliment David Gettleman, or is that like not okay? Because it kind of depends like on what he does with his draft. Quarterback depends on what he does with his draft. Roster's coming together, man. And he needs edge defenders terribly. Who are his outside pass rushers? Uh, the Giants. Their yeah. outside pass rushers are what? O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. It and... might as well be you and me, brother. What? That is very disrespectful to those people if you're going to put me in the category. Maybe you. Um, <laughs> the defense was good last year, though. And now that's, they got a door. That's Jackson. fine. Helps I understand. Them. You got it's Leonard Williams beating. back. Right. It helps make up for the DeAndre Baker fiasco, you know? Logan Ryan at free safety. They transplanted, half, they transplanted half the Tennessee Titans secondary <laughs> from two years kidding. ago and just dropped it in there and said, here you go. Yeah, yeah, they can they can do some exciting things. They can make some noise, but two of the three most important positions in football, quarterback and pass rusher, are the two primary question marks on the team at this point in time. Yeah, well, they're not going to do anything at quarterback. We know that. Correct. So, unenviable place to be. But you never know if if they choose to not stay committed or not put their complete faith in their wide receiver overhaul in the names of like in the hands of like John Ross, then maybe today's show can help the New York Giants a little bit. I like what you did there. You saw that. Yeah. You want to set the stage? No. I will well, set the stage. Then. Okay. We're talking wide receivers, not the top of the draft. We're not getting into Waddle and Chase and Devonta Smith. We've already had our Rashad Bateman, Terrence Marshall debate. We're talking tier three wide receivers. And the NFL has done a fabulous job over the last several drafts of finding guys in this tier being productive, right? Like the guys that weren't the big shiny guys that everyone thought were the big three for a respective draft class, whether an age Brown, Justin Jefferson, the value has been in this tier. And so we're going to dig into this tier of guys today on the podcast. Looking forward to it. Uh, because there are a lot of players who you can make the argument um, would be worthwhile to target in lieu of spending a pick somewhere between 15 and 40 on a wide receiver, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, it felt dirty for you to call them tier three because some of these guys are really good wide receivers. They're a little bit more specialized. And yeah. where they win, and that's kind of the divide. But I guarantee you one of these tier two and a half, tier three guys is going to go to a team, and he's going to make a huge impact right away for his team because 
there's a lot of guys that are physically capable of it. And the law of averages says somebody's going to land somewhere in which the opportunity meets the talent. All right, let's talk about a guy. You want to start with like Diami Brown? Yeah, maybe. Let's yeah, okay. Start with Diami Brown. Go go heels. What's their so what's their saying? I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Oh. Well. Uh, yeah, go go heels. Go heels. For, go for heels. Sure. Diami Brown. Def- go ahead. De- definitely a playmaker, man. This guy, 6-1-195, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Over 20 touchdown catches over the last two years. Oh, by the way, average over 20 yards a catch. I mean, if that doesn't speak to his playmaking ability, his big play potential, I don't know what does. I like his route running. I like his release package. I like his ball skills down the field. I love his willingness to go over the middle. I think he's better after the catch than the routes he was asked to run at North Carolina allowed him to be. And I think if you're looking for a guy that I mean, I think he's really good in the intermediate to deep areas of the field. Like, wide receiver two all day long for me for an NFL offense and and one that you're really happy about having. So he doesn't get enough buzz, I think, in this class. But to me, he's firmly a player I would draft in the second round. What would you do if I told you that Diami Brown was a top 32 player for me as things currently stand? Is he really? 31st. Now I want I need to know where he is for me. Oh, you gotta stack him up, right? So we've we've done I have done through my own regional stuff and then the cross checks that we're doing with the scouting staff, uh 28 wide receiver grades. Uh he is wide receiver, not a math guy. One, two, three, four, <laughs> seven. Wide receiver seven and thirty-first on the big board, Joe. He's ex- he's exactly thirty-first for me as well. Look at that. Wow. I haven't sorted my board yet. I just have all the numbers. So that's that was fun. fun. That that's good good family fun here on the Draft Dudes podcast. Yeah, Diami man. If he goes somewhere and that's where I that's where I'd like to spend a little bit of time for each of the guys we talk about today is like where we could see them going in which they could have the big impact. So Diami plays in this North Carolina offense that is wide open push the ball down the field. Sam Howe makes some ill-advised might be the right word I'm looking for throw, but it almost reminds you of what like Sam Darnold got away with at USC where he was just like ripping some throws. That's like, "Mm, this is bolts. Chris, I see you shaking your head. I apologize, but you know, it's true. Um, (laughs) And and he kind of has that, like that same unpredictability about him where, He's got enough arm talent where the ball gets on top of defenders pretty quickly, but like they just can't believe that he threw the ball. And Diami's made plays on those balls and made some really good plays uh, in really tight windows uh, on extended plays. So wins down the field, yep. capable of winning in tight coverage, but separates and stacks really, really well when you push the ball down the field. Where, where do you like him? I like him for the Bills. He's He's been a little Oh, stop. Of- no. He can't have it. <laughs> Cannot have it. All right. So that, that tells you that it was a really good idea. I mean, when the Bills let John Brown go, if, you know, they saved $9 million in cap space. I have been very set on them bringing in another receiver. I know many people thought Gabe Davis would just step into that number two role, but that's. And he possibly a, could, but. He, he, just a stylistically not the right type of player. I think Gabe Davis has a role in the Bills offense. It's his wide receiver it's to me, Yami Brown was always that player that I loved for the offense. And 
I think if the Bills were to make an investment in him in the second round, he sits behind Emmanuel Sanders for a year. I mean, Sanders is 34. He's not a long-term answer for them. And they'll have that guy in place on a rookie deal for the next three seasons after this one. So Buffalo is the team that I absolutely love for De'Ami Brown. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what would you do if I told you I had him in front of Kadarius Tony? I know you've been lukewarm on Kadarius Tony, so that wouldn't surprise me. Okay, because I do. You, pro- I can see why. The, I think the, I'm not going to make the case for you, but I'm sure you view Diami as a much more complete player. Yes, I think so. Play inside, play outside, win down the field, better hands. I think better ball skills down the field. There's a lot to like about Diami. Yeah, I, it's funny you keep on doing this. It, it's like your thing this year is you keep on. Whenever we get to a receiver, hold them up against each other. Well, yeah, but it's always Kadarius Tony. You're like, so exactly, tell me. Well, right, because Kadarius Tony, it was like it turned. It was like a cute novelty at first. That like, oh yeah, Yeah. put this guy on Kansas City's offense at the end of the first round. How unfair will that be? (laughs) Ha ha. And like, I'm guilty of it too because I did it for one of my mock drafts, and like that was my commentary. Was like, ha ha. Yeah, (laughs) you think the Chiefs are tough to stop now? Wait till they get Kadarius Tony and Sammy Watkins a spot. But like, he's. You get this sense that, like, and maybe it's just from football media or or, or draft Knicks and, and draft Twitter and all that. Like, you get the sense that the Kadarius Tony's considered like a, a lock for the top thirty-two or forty. Yeah. Like, put it in in Sharpie, and it's like, okay, well, you can take that guy there, but like, so many of these other guys are going to give you more in different areas. Yeah, that's fair. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, so let's let's get through some more names here. We had yeah. the Diami Brown segment. I think we both wanted to get to him for sure, and we did that. But Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, he's good, right? He's he's very very well rounded as a player. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is the wide receiver from USC, uh, related to Equimius St. Brown, EQ, whatever you want to call him, with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's not quite the height, weight, speed guy that EQ is as a player, but I think he's probably a more polished wide receiver, if we're being honest. And where he really won at USC, you know, you can line him up outside and beat press coverage. You can line him up in the slot. I thought he really shined with body control and playing physically. Uh, so whether that's as a blocker, whether that's after the catch, whether that's at the top of route stems, but he wins with physicality and he has really good ball skills and body control to make body adjustments to the ball when it is placed against a leverage defender, away from a leverage defender. So uh, I think he'll be really good in the red zone. Uh, I think he'll be really good running vertical routes from the slot specifically where you have a much easier red line that you can stay on and and have more space to fade into it, to to leave your quarterback a throwing window. 
Uh, if you're going to run him on the outside and run him vertical, you're probably better off throwing back shoulder balls to him than you are asking him to stack guys vertically. But he's the kind of guy who I've seen do plenty of dirty work. Uh, I think he's got good hands, and he's going to win in tight spaces. And he's got good size. I, I don't have his listed measures off the top of my head, uh, but he plays with the kind of attitude and physicality that really pops off the tape at you. Yeah, and I think that really shows up in the way he competes after the catch. He does not want to get tackled. And there's something about that competitive spirit that he shows at every part of the game, whether that's blocking with the ball in his hands, dealing with contact at the line of scrimmage, at the top of routes. I mean, I like the way he competes. And um, I can definitely see him being a really quality number two receiver. Again, not the same as his brother, but probably more – technically refined and, and more consistent, I think. Um, and I think he'll make an NFL team real happy. If I wanted to make a lazy helmet scouting comparison for a prospect, I thought he went, won in some similar ways to what Juju Smith-Schuster did when he was at USC. I think that's fair. Do you think he's as dynamic? Like I, When I think Juju at USC, I think a lot about contested catches. I think he has the body control to make those. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it will be interesting because you think about Shuju's, Juju and his athletic testing. Uh, Juju really wasn't a dynamic athlete. Right. He ran 4.54, four, 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 which was 37th percentile since the turn of the millennium uh, at the NFL Combine amongst wide receivers. He jumped 32 and a half inches, which was 16th percentile. He jumped 10 feet in the broad, which was 47th percentile. The only athletic test he participated in that he was above the 50th percentile was bench press with 55, uh, 55 percentile with 15 reps. And Juju, 6'1", 215, coming through the combine. So I look at that kind of physicality. I look at that athletic profile and, like, I think Amon Ra is probably a little bit better athlete than what Juju was, but kind of just their brand of football – made a lot of sense. So I'll, I'll ergo that and I'll say teams like Baltimore wants to run the ball, wants to have guys that can, can come down and crack on linebackers and safeties yep. and you know, be a run after catch guy and can make good body adjustments to, to balls that aren't necessarily pinpoint accurate. I love him in that spot because they just went after Juju. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. And that that's fun because there's a lot of different wide receivers. I think we think about for them in the first round. But if they were to be able to get a pass rusher in the first round and yes. then target an Armin Ross St. Brown in the second round, I think they'd be in business, man. How about Rondell Moore? Can we have okay. a conversation about Rondell Moore okay. and not talk about injuries, though? Sure. Because it clouds the whole damn thing, and it's it's relevant. I get it. The guy's been banged up significantly <laughs> over the last two years. Like All the questions in the world are deserved, but if you just – Watch this dude play different, just different with the ball in his hand. I, I, he's almost asinine with what he does in and how close tacklers get to him and how shifty he is in these tight spaces. He's like a, a, a wizard, an escape artist getting out of tight quarters. He's so quick and shifty and creative with the ball in his hands. I mean, when you're talking about an NFL where pace and space is a big part of what goes on. This guy can make any team better if he's healthy. 
and he gets the knock and he will inevitably continue to get the knock between now and the draft regarding his usage at Purdue. Uh, I don't know what kind of popcorn fart offense they ran with him in 2020 where like it was just like, okay, we're going to run jet motion and bubbles and that's it. And ask Rondale to, it was almost like Rondale finally agreed. He was like, yeah, you know what? I think my hamstring is feeling better. I think I'm going to come back and play, but I would really like to help improve my stock. So Jeff Brom said, yeah, bet Rondale, we'll get you the ball 20 times a game. You're just going to have to get every single one of them behind the line of scrimmage and make a bunch of stuff happen on your own. Like, they didn't do anything with him. He ran no routes. He did nothing of substance this past year. Like, the, the 2020 tape was worthless. Correct. I didn't even watch it. You'd be much better. Like, you you want to watch what Rondale Moore is. Watch him as a freshman when he first came to Purdue when he played in, like, 12 games and he played the first 10 games of the season healthy and then played the last two banged up. That's what Rondale Moore can be. But isn't that a weird question to have to ask yourself? Like, of course it is. <laughs> and, and that's why Rondale's got the questions he has. I know. So how, I mean, where do you think this guy goes? Like, do you feel like a team's going to pick him in the second round? Is that in his wheelhouse still? I think he's explosive enough that the second round is not unrealistic. If I were to set the over-under, though, I would probably set it at like 69 and a half or something like that. Thanks. Right into the early window of the third round um, would probably be where I would. Because the, the, the similar projection is he's five foot seven, 180 pound version of LaVisca Chenault. Remember how LaVisca was like his, the year before he was eligible, he was a monster at Colorado and then hurt. And he missed like the last three, three or four games of the season or whatever it was. But like we were talking about LaVisca after the first month, like can LaVisca Chenault win the Heisman? Like he was amazing. (laughs) Right. So good at the beginning of that 2019 season or 2018 season. And then in 2019, uh, he was banged up the whole time. He didn't really play to the best of his ability. Uh, And and then he was injured and ran injured for the combine, and he ran slow. And then he ends up getting drafted in the second round by Jacksonville. So you take all the same injury questions and productivity and kind of multifaceted tool, but LaVisca's 6'1", 220, and then you take the same thing and you make the mini version of that. And that's Rondale Moore. So like, I think the ceiling you could get into the second round, but with the size issues that are at hand, seeing how the league handled LaVisca Chenault, I think Rondale will get a more extreme version of the same treatment. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is that amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar. Now it is time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and they're having a tournament with all the flavors of Built Bars, and we, the people, are here to decide which Built Bar is the best. Today's matchup, Kyle. Chocolate brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake. Who's your pick? Lemon almond cheesecake. Same. Super underrated. God, I, I want to think alike. Keep 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 moving it through. If you want to vote for lemon almond cheesecake, go to builtbar.com or find Built Bar on Twitter to vote for your choice. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Hey, real quick. Did you get a box from Built Bar recently? I did with the puffs, the the marshmallow puff. Not only the marshmallow puffs, but it had the birthday cake with sprinkles. Have you had that one yet? I have not. Uh, I have not eaten any of the Built Bars. So that, that box came today, and it was sitting on the front porch. It was like 65 out. Uh, but apparently it was warm enough to, like, soften the bars up a little bit so my pro tip for you is to put that one in the microwave for like six seconds get it just soft enough where it's a little doughy <laughs> and it might be the the new top bar on the board so everybody says put them in the freezer no and now you're like putting them in the microwave i i was blown away by the experience of eating one that was slightly above room temperature wow I just pull them right out of the pantry, you know? Right. So anyway. Kyle, Kyle, you've done something very interesting, and I hate to bring Kadarius Tony back up. but Oh, gosh. Okay. You wrote you wrote an article. This is something a talking point that you brought up in our scouting meeting, and you fleshed it out in an article that you recently wrote about Amari Rogers and, and his skill set and kind of holding it up against Kadarius Tony. And I think it's appropriate to talk about Amari Rogers, a player that I know you're real high on. I like him a lot. Uh, but um, apparently not as much as I do. I No, not as much as you, but I like him. But let's let's talk Rogers. So. Had a big step forward in 2020 college season. He showed his explosiveness was back after a knee injury in uh, the spring of 2019 that he played through. Uh, but you, you kind of watched him play and you're like, ooh man, like. He's got to run four eight, <laughs> but he's he's coming all he's on the heels of a major knee injury. And he played the entire season through it. So, like, toughness is not overlooked. And then he comes back this year, and all of a sudden, he is the four-four-five guy that he tested to be at his pro day. And I think he had that kind of juice, and, and that burst was back for him. So, is he as sudden or dynamic in short spaces as Kadarius Tony? No. Uh, they're both somewhat limited as far as from a route-running perspective, where they're going to be ready to contribute early on in the league. Uh, but I look at who's got better hands, who's got better contact balance, who's got a better build for the NFL game and playing in high traffic. Amari Rogers reminds me of current Miami Dolphin Albert Wilson, 
Um, Albert Wilson, faster player. Uh, but Albert Wilson, before injuries really took their toll, was one of the more dynamic run-after-catch guys. And part of it was because he's really low to the ground. He's really dense. And we've seen Amari Rodgers up close. And we can tell you, he's really low to the ground. He's really <laughs> right. dense. And he's really good with run-after-catch because we've seen that on tape. So those are kind of some of the things that I really like. And I, he's got good hands. He's got really good hands, too. So I think he sold me on a lot of the essentials of having a wide receiver. Do you remember Josh Reed yes. at LSU and they yes. went to the Bills? That, that's kind of the player that he 5'10, 210 pounds, mm-hmm. um, kind of a volume guy from the slot. He's he's gonna make people miss. He's not he's a good athlete, but not like an elite athlete, different type of player. But I, I think that there's definitely a place for this guy. You know, like you know, you're not gonna go ask him to to play outside and and stretch the field or anything like that, but from this slot, I mean, you're putting, you know, 11 personnel. That's the most frequent passing formation in the NFL now. A lot more 10 personnel creeping into the league. A player like this really kind of presents some problems because if you put him in the slot and you respond with your 5'9", 185-pound slot corner. You're going to run that dude over. He's going to run him the hell over. So, and he sh- like, the vertical stuff sh- showed up this year more. Yeah, in nineteen, it was just like, all right, he's going to run a drag or a flat route where he can get in the ball. He's going to make a guy miss. He's going to move the chains. This past year, we saw some stuff down the field, and and that was really encouraging to to me to improve his valuation. So, I also get a little bit of Debo Samuel vibes here from him, and we remember seeing Debo at the Senior Bowl the year that he was down at the Senior Bowl and. They ran in the same range for their 40 times. I think about their contact bounce. I think about their builds. I think about the way Clemson used him. Um, I think Debo is a little bit more bouncy as an athlete than what Amari Rogers is. But if those are the kinds of players that we're getting invoked upon when we watch you, I think that bodes really well for what you're going to be able to bring to the table. So where, where, hold hold on. We got to do this for Rondale too. Places we'd like to see them go. Baltimore. For Amari. Yeah. And then Rondale. Um, I I feel like he can go to any team. I mean, like imagine Carolina. Replace Curtis Samuel. Yes. Okay. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. Let's let's use that one because Rondale's capable of lining up in the backfield as well as in the slot and jet motion and all that kind of stuff. So, well, and when you say Debo, like to me, that says Jets as well to an extent because same type of offense, right? That they're gonna want to run in New York. Mm-hmm. Player like that would be helpful. And so, just for clarification, so far we've talked about Diami Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown, Amari Rogers, Rondale Moore. Uh, these are all players that are, for me personally, Joe, within two points of each other on our grading scale. Diami Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown are capping out at an 83.5 out of 100, which is an early second round grade or valuation. And the lowest one that we've talked about thus far is Amari Rogers, who is 48th on my big board right now as things currently stand with an 81 and a half. So like 
really tight knit group. And like, there's more guys in here too. I yeah. think that's what makes this an exciting group. Guy like Nico Collins from Michigan. Uh, we haven't, we haven't really talked together about Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma state. I, we evaled him. We didn't get too deep in him on the cross check conversation, but like, I'll tell you this about Tylen Wallace. I was really surprised to learn that he was under six foot. I thought he was a taller guy watching him on film. And then I went and looked at his measurables afterwards. Like he plays pretty tall for a guy that's under six feet tall listed measured less than six feet. This is another lazy helmet scouting thing, but I got some of the James Washington stuff out of him, which makes sense. It's the same offense, right? Uh, But kind of the same usage. That static alignment over there on the right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like James Washington was below six feet too. Mm-hmm. And all he did was was tear you to shreds on these posts and deep routes and attack the ball in the air. And like Tylen does some of the same stuff. And Tylen was also on a couple of occasions really surprising with his contact balance with the ball in his hands when they did tunnel screen and, and quick throws and got him the ball quickly and let him create some stuff with the ball in his hands. So, so I finished with an is- early three on Tylen, by the way. I uh, same. Same, same range, Seven, but nine and a half. Again, we didn't talk about tier two. We didn't talk tier one. And I think this kind of shed some light into what's going on with the wide receiver market in terms of free agency, while you're seeing Juju not get what he thought he was going to get. I mean, Kenny Galladay wind up getting paid, but for the most part, I think this wide receiver market moved very, very slowly and it's still kind of coming along. And I think you look at this draft class, you look at the recent success of teams finding value in wide receivers you know four through ten drafted uh, it's kind of a honey hole for getting production i'll leave you guys with two uh additional names that we did not mention here on the show uh Dwayne eskridge from western michigan uh, runs in the four threes a little bit of an older prospect uh fairly new to playing wide receiver uh, but was one of the starring role players at the senior bowl and then the other one is elijah moore who we have not done in cross checks yet but I had a chance to watch him this past weekend because I greedily am looking at wide receivers for the Dolphins. And Elijah Moore is another one of these Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony types. And he's really smooth and he's really fast. And he makes some really electric plays down the field. So add those two names to everything else that we just talked about. But our time here for the day is done. So hit subscribe on the podcast. Make sure you come back and see us again Sooner rather than later, we are five days a week. We have two live streams on YouTube slash The Draft Network, Mondays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have a good time live. Uh, Additional programming outside of your five-a-week podcast schedule. So make sure you come by and check one out. Kyle Krabs, Jormino, Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for listening to The Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.